Just my mic here. All right, Chunka. Go right out there, my youngster. But you're coming back a star. Okay, so welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award podcast. What did, what did we come up with finally? <laughs> after, after debating finally, this name for. I wrote it down, actually. We did debate a long time. It is Come Back a Star, colon. Movie Award History. That's right. So what we're planning to do is watch and review maybe every single Best Picture nominee and winner. Definitely all the winners. Hopefully uh, those are at least available. I don't know about all the nominees. Yeah, there might be some that are playing just not available. Yeah, I, I mean, you'll be surprised what you find on the uh, interwebs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we introduce ourselves? Yeah, I'm Jason, and with me is... Laura! Hi! And a terrier named Odysseus. He's oh, here, yes. lounging on my lap. He's a real movie fan. He's got some problematic opinions, but uh, we'll try to censor him as much as we can. Yeah. yeah, he will be watching most of the movies with us. So, Laura, what is your movie background? I want to just clarify how unqualified we are. Oh, yeah. To do any um, of this, really. Excuse me. I took two movie classes as an undergrad. Um, and I watched Schindler's List in one of those classes. So I think I kind of know a little bit of everything about the movie awards. Um, I uh, kind of farted around with a movie blog at some point that was kind of popular. But I stopped doing that because I had to actually look for work and make a living, which is stupid work, stupid. But here we are. Um, but I've always loved movies, especially really old, obscure ones. I uh, blame my father for that. He uh, he kind of warped me in that way. So, uh, yeah, I've he, he is from the 1910s. He is. He kind of time traveled here. Uh, yeah. He's basically a dandy from the 1910s. I have like for a quote unquote movie buff, I have a lot of blank spots that I'm sure will be filled in throughout this. But right. I also have seen a lot of weird, obscure sh that probably a lot of other people haven't. So there and, we go. And uh, that's my qualification. Do seemingly have an encyclopedic knowledge of every actor and actress that appears on screen, at I, least the earlier ones. Yeah, I do. I do. I have this talent instead of, um, you know, Math, math, or taxes, <laughs> or finances, or uh, anything vaguely helpful to me in my everyday life. So thank God for podcasts, because now I can finally extend that knowledge into a medium you listeners at home will enjoy. Yeah, and I, I hope you guys won't mind me uh, expressing my opinions as well. It's kind of interesting. We're covering, of course, the Academy Awards. We can't put that into our title or less Oscar. Or Oscar, lest lest you think that we are approved of or sponsored by the uh, Film Academy. We ain't being sponsored by sh And I originally <laughs> wanted to not call this the Notskers, but that probably wouldn't have read as well. But yeah, I, that's what I think we should refer to them as, is the Notskers. Because oh. apparently we can't say them. Ooh. Well, we can say the word, we just can't have it in the title. 
And copyright's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting that I would be working on a podcast that specifically targets the Academy Awards because I specifically kind of have a love-hate relationship with them or more hate than love. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, they very seldom go to the actual best picture of such a thing can be judged and more towards who campaigned the hardest and which one right. goes down easier with the general public. And that's always been the case, it seems like. Right. The, the going down easier part especially is, I guess, something that was true ever since the beginning. And oh, before we start getting too far, I should probably acknowledge one of our sources. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you thought to do that because I can't remember what they're called or who wrote them. Uh, so far, uh, the main book that I have read is called All About Oscar. It's by Emmanuel Levy who is kind of the academic scholar of the Academy Awards. It's a good read. Uh, if you like movie history and history about the Oscars especially, it's uh, worth looking at. It is uh, mostly pretty engaging. Some of it can be a little bit dry because there's a lot of stats in it and things like that, but I'm, I'm cool with that sort of thing. Uh, but one of the things that Levy brings up in his very introduction is this tendency to be, as he puts it, very middle-brow. And how the Oscars tend to be these very accessible movies. And I'm not I'm not a movie snob. I want to make that clear. No, we love I, trash. Yeah, I love I love some good trash too. But I, I do think that the that the Academy takes itself maybe a little bit too seriously. <gasps> it sounds like it always has. Yeah. And I would say my the birth of my dislike of the Oscars in particular, before this, I just didn't really pay much attention to them, was actually during, I believe it was George Clooney giving a speech at the Oscars talking about how wonderful and progressive they were and how they were always breaking boundaries. Ooh. Only when called out on it. <clears throat> like, mm -hmm. that's when it gets done. <laughs> yeah, the it was... Ironic considering that the Academy is never, never cutting edge when it comes to, I guess, progressivism. And I think it might have been Brokeback Mountain that was the the big claim to progressivism for them that year. And it and, didn't even win. Yeah, I think I, it's, I don't recall. But yeah, yeah, maybe it didn't even it win. It didn't win. It Crash didn't win. Did. It was oh, like okay. it was very much painted as like race versus homosexuality, which is just a crappy angle to come from anyways. It shouldn't right. really be versus those things. And so there were it was a controversial choice. I will say <laughs> I will give the 2019 Academy Awards super props for giving the final award to Parasite. Yes. I did not think they had the guts, and I am very glad they did. I still think it's some bull that none of the actors were nominated. It was completely like Song Kang-ho should have absolutely been nominated to N1. He was the angry, angry heart of that movie, and I'm I'm pretty bitter. But that's a, that's a bit of a tangent, which we yeah. might go on occasionally. Oh, absolutely. My wife and, and Laura's sister, Cassandra, has been referring to us as the, the ADD twins because, <laughs> well, we might be prone to wander around and everything like that. I'm 
hoping that you guys will bear with us. Only one of us actually has the diagnosis, and it's new. It's Odysseus. It's Odysseus. Well, he just jumped off my lap, so he's fired. You guys are boring. Doing. <laughs> gonna go read his papers. So let me see what else do we have on here. That was that was our do, intro, do, right? Uh, pretty we much introduced do, the heck out of ourselves. Do Do you have like any particular like Oscar defining moment? Mine Mine was that. Just epitome of self-congratulatory. I feel like the first one I really paid attention to was the year Titanic one. Because I hadn't yet seen it, but all my friends had and they were obsessed with it. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of just rooting for that because I'm like, well, my friends really like it. And um, otherwise, I really didn't care. I remember whatever year Gwyneth Paltrow won for Shakespeare in Love and how she just kept crying and crying and crying and crying and it was charming at first but then it was just like is this another performance lady and uh don't don't odysseus sir he really had an opinion he needed to tell but don't worry we've got him under wraps but yeah i mean i wouldn't say anything defining i mean i was such a turd that the big scandal from a few years ago where uh they announced la la land is the winner but it was actually moonlight i did uh, i was just so mad that moonlight hadn't one, I thought that I immediately turned off the TV and I missed that <laughs> whole mix up. I had to watch it later on YouTube. But um, yeah, the Oscars are a bloated monster. They <laughs> are entertaining in snippets, but mostly just kind of embarrassing. And I kind of love them for that, because like I said, I do love mm-hmm. trash. And I think the Academy Awards are utter beautiful trash. I can see that. I can see that. And it being kind of an overlong slog that no one really likes but mm. we're all compelled to watch is a big theme in in Levy's book yeah. especially from from very early on they can never stay on schedule i remember at least a couple of years where they decided no this time for real for real we're going to stay on schedule and i i think they might have gotten close but i mean it it was down to perhaps like literal canes being pulled out to to yeah. grab people off the stage. And that's what's frustrating is they don't trim the fat where it's needed. They instead, you know, insert countless montages and side crap that no one cares about. And then like someone who's worked really hard on their movie wins a technical award. And they go up all excited and they get cut off like right before they're done speaking. And it's like, well, now you all just look like a bunch of. Yeah, I think I don't know if this is still true. I believe at some point what they did is award give the technical awards separate from everything else because oh well people only want to see basically best picture best actor actress supporting roles etc cetera, etc cetera. and I remember that first year I, I get angry about a lot of things apparently and, and a lot of things <laughs> about the should. Oscars in, in particular I thought you know. I, I don't understand half of what's going on with the technical awards and everything like that, but those people are part of the movie too. Oh yeah. I think to play devil's advocate, the people who win the technical awards might not be the magnetic public speakers a trained actor is, but they do obviously deserve lots of props. It kind this of feels like true. they should have a night, a day to shine, a night yeah. to shine. So it's, you know, the actors and directors get the majority of the accolades from the public because they're the face of the project. Yeah, I think in this in this situation in particular, I'm sure 
I sure hope I'm not just imagining this because it was many a year ago, but it was something like they had their own separate ceremony elsewhere. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. That's so rude and sad. Well, it's the, yeah, this sudden obsession that's taken over the Academy to shorten the ceremony. So they do keep it in the most entertaining bits because, I mean, they're show business folks. They want what sells and what sells are this is true. beautiful actresses and wacky dresses and handsome actors saying funny things in their acceptance speeches. I mean, to be frank, that's the kind of trash I do love. But uh, I agree. Those poor technical folks. It's like in the political debates when they had the kids table debate. It's like, why, why, why are you bothering if anyways it's cute damn it <laughs> i mean i guess at least they they still had an award so all the people who cared about that <laughs> can can watch it but absolutely okay so on this uh Kakamami, uh podcast of ours yeah this is our intro episode we want to just kind of explain a little bit of how we're going to do this or attempt to do this and we're not at all figuring it figuring it out on the fly with you guys. We would not do that to you. We yeah. have this completely and utterly spelled out in detail. We, we didn't at all just barely come up with a title for the podcast. No, a couple that was of- just a bit. It was a bit for comedy, not reality. <laughs> the lines are blurred. Here is the plan. We're going to cover every single year, and we're going to start off with the uh, nominees. That didn't win. Yeah. First. And essentially, we're going to be watching on behalf of you guys. Yeah. So be thankful. We're going to watch every single one of these movies. And we're going to rate them on several different categories. And we're going to tally up all the scores. And we're going to compare them to each other. Mm -hmm. And then in another episode, perhaps each nominee will get its own episode if that seems warranted. But definitely the winner will be getting their own episode, which we will then kind of go through the same process. We'll review what happens in it and things that we liked about it, things that could have been done better. And then at the end of that episode, I'm figuring that's when we'll go back. We'll look at how we reviewed all the nominees and compare it to the winner and maybe decide whether or not we agree yeah. with the Academy or not. And we're trying to still kind of come up with a, with our own award that we want to give who we felt won that year out of the nominees. Exactly. And it may or may not match. No, I mean, I have a feeling it won't always because I'm usually mad at the Oscars. Uh, 2019 was an exception. So, yeah. So that's yeah. the controversial thesis of this whole thing is I'm not always going to agree with the Academy yeah. or maybe even with Jason. What? Fighting right. on air. Exciting. Exactly. I think uh, what we decided, obviously, both of our opinions will be recorded and everything like that. You'll be able to hear all of the cases that we bring up for the rating and everything else. But what I would like to stipulate is I think that to gain the prestigious award of this podcast, we will both have to agree on which one was the winner. It might involve a lot of yelling, a lot of arm wrestling. Um, we might bring in a mediator or two just to talk us through if things get out Absolutely. of hand. But uh, at the end, even if we're both dead, 
some winner will be announced. Someone will list <laughs> the best Notsker. I'm calling it that. I don't the care. Not, the Notsker Award? The Notsker Award. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's cover the categories that we've come up with. Yeah, we've, let's we've, do it. Much, much like breaking them up into like the main Academy Awards and then the Technical Academy Awards, we have three major categories that we're going to rate on one to ten, each of us. And then we have some bonus rounds to add just like a little bit more to the score. Uh, just on on little side things that might be a little bit more uh, either technical in a certain sense or a little bit more subjective. Yeah. Okay, so the, the major categories, these are the ones that are 1 through 10. We have acting, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's what the monkeys do on screen. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I think we should split this up is we're going to encounter some movies that have fantastic acting that are otherwise maybe not terrible, but, you know, just a little bit lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. So we have acting, we have writing, which is basically how good is the story? How well is it? Well, written. Yeah, and it's interesting with movies because, of course, we're going to start out the very first Academy Awards. They were all silent films. Mm-hmm. So the writing is really the the scenario um, and you know, how it all came together. Um, you know, the wittiness of the dialogue doesn't really apply there. But I think right. starting in the 30s, when you get folks like like wordsmiths like Raucho Marx into the mix and everything, I don't even know if he was ever nominated, but that kind of like, Singing yeah. dialogue, that'll probably play more of a part. I guess right now we're just talking about, yeah, just the overall structure of the story. Yeah, because I again, I think there are movies that have great acting in it, and the story is terrible. And uh, it really depends on how good the acting is, because if the acting can elevate the material so that you think back on it as a good movie because of the acting, well, that obviously ups... The Mm -hmm. Annie. Yeah, yeah. All right. And third category, the major category is cinematography, which to me means how how pretty is it? Mm -hmm. Because, again, I can think of movies that are beautiful to watch, have lackluster stories, and the acting is so-so. Yeah. It's spectacle. It's spectacle or it's just... Technically, the shots are interesting. And I think, and again, it's like fun to compare between like the silent films and the very early talkies because towards the end of the silent era, we were getting extraordinary shots like in wings of of just where where you're still like, how did they do that? Like Mm -hmm. get those shots of the planes. And then you go into the early talkies, which were so clunky comparatively because they hadn't yet figured out how to do it naturally in a way that was with, with sound equipment. With, yeah, with sound equipment. So it was basically like watching filmed plays. Mm-hmm. And so there was a dip in that, but then you had there was the excitement of this brand new medium to draw people in. Right. So they didn't probably audiences back then probably just didn't care that it was static because holy crap, we're hearing people talk just like they actually do. Yeah. And some of their voices aren't great. Yeah. <laughs> there's part of that and yeah definitely the we we might have cheated a little bit in seeing some of the the second year just a bit 
uh, already, but we have seen all of the first year's movies and yes, the silent movie era, visually cinematography. Some of those movies are easily rival today, just in terms of it being visually interesting and engaging. Because that's how they told their story. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. So it is funny seeing the transition. They never should have gone to talkies. I'm immediately thinking about Metropolis. Yes. It's like gorgeous cinematography. Writing is okay. But who gives a crap? Uh, Because it's awesome. There's a robot lady. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the effects are just so amazing that it, it, if it if it qualified for the Oscar, which it does not, uh, I, I I would give it definitely uh, definitely a nomination for sure. Maybe we should do special episodes where we talk about our uh, pet favorite movies that weren't even nominated. Yeah, well, that's that's on the list. We yeah, have some good. some interesting topics that we need to go over on movies that either were nominated and just have something fascinating about them, mm-hmm. or or weren't. But really should have. Really should. <laughs> yeah. We have some interesting uh, nominees thrown in the mix looking ahead. I think one in which a couple of people actually died and how, how that apparently just didn't matter as much as it probably should have. Hey, but that's anyways. Hollywood. People die. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the thing is that it was filmed abroad, so it was not even in Hollywood. It was just Hollywood's See? attitude towards human life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what could you add to that? And so we're gonna we're gonna rate acting, writing, cinematography, one through ten. And then at the very end, uh very vaguely, an overall one through ten. How how well do these three things kind of come together? Yeah. And that's I mean, sometimes you get a movie that just not one of those really, really stands out. But for some reason, all of it together really works, really works. Yeah. And uh, I don't I don't know how much more we can go into that since it is the vaguest one of uh, of the major rounds. And going on to the bonus rounds, we have costumes and sets, which that's something that I wanted with talking about the technical awards and everything like that, like we just were. I do feel like that that contributes to whether oh, a picture absolutely. can be best picture or not. I mean, it's not really the actor or the director that dictates how good a movie is going to look necessarily. I mean, comes down to, yeah, the costumers, the uh, special effects people, the people doing the lighting. You oh, yeah. Like heroes. If. If Shakespeare and Love were poorly costumed, I doubt it would have gotten as far. Yeah, it it wouldn't go well. Uh, And sets as well. If it had an anachronistic or shoddy looking set, then I don't think it would have pulled through. No. Okay, so that's that's our first bonus round category. We're going to be rating these one through five just so they don't overshadow necessarily the the big categories. But we want to give... We want to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. The second one might be the most subjective of them all. It's one that I came up with is boldness. Now, for boldness, what I mean by that is, does this movie take risks that work out? Yeah. Which I guess is how not skirt is it? Exactly. Because, again, that idea of 
the award being very middle brow and safe and yes feel good i mean you have examples in movies that weren't nominated Betty davis of human bondage of yeah. human bondage which s- somehow wasn't even on the board there her performance and they had to i guess campaign for her to be added to, yeah. to the list and it was because it wasn't like a it was a daring movie. It, it was, was a not daring a f- movie. She did not play a likable character. She played a very mean, nasty, spirited, but at the same time, sympathetic character because of her circumstances. And yeah, the Academy has always been, for all it touts how progressive it is, it's always been very safe and very conservative. It wants something that makes people feel good. It doesn't have to question too much. And uh yeah, Betty right. Davis was never a comfortable actress. She always she was never afraid to to let it all be out there, whether it was pretty right. or ugly or not. Right, and that's what made her a successful and good good actress. And the public loved it. Academy. Yeah, it's we're we're probably gonna have some very special episodes about the censorship and and the different attitudes that you come across with some of these decisions i would just love the alternative universe where the Hayes code never existed to see what kind of movies would have been made right that would have reflected more closely reality reality yeah where married couples sleep in the same bed (laughs) too far that is too far obviously (laughs) and you know people sometimes say swears i mean believe it or not yeah we were just talking about how how much they had to fight in Gone with the Wind to let Clark Gable say damn. We could have had, frankly, my dear, I don't give a hoot. But that will be in our 1940s Oscar episode. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we get to start off pre-calcification of the Hayes Code. Yeah. So it'll be fun seeing some of those pre-code pictures. Yeah. And then then we have to deal with that for, what, through to the 90s? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. When did the Hays Code officially stop? I think I it, think people just gradually stopped paying attention to it because it was making them money to, to dis- be, disregard it. Believe it or not, guys, sex sells. And finally, the Academy. What? And, and yeah, moving pictures in general had to acknowledge that. And uh, married people were, bla- were back living in sin, sleeping in the same bed. And society has never recovered. No, no, no. See, we have to represent good, moral, American values where children just spawn like fungi. Yeah. Fungus kids. <laughs> the fungus kids. Oh, it's that the was feel a- good Oscar winner of the year. <laughs> yep. The first hour gang picture. <laughs> okay. So far, we've got costumes set on uh, the bonus rounds with boldness. What kind of like risks do these movies take that actually work out? Because sometimes they take risks and they don't work out. No. That's another thing. And you're like, what were you thinking? What were you trying to say? Yeah, I, mean, I think we might even have some of those in the very first yeah. session. What anyways, we'll we'll get to it. Okay. Kind of going along those lines, our next bonus category is longevity, as in how well does it stand up? And is it even remembered today? Is it like how much of a cultural impact did this movie have? Because there has been so many best Oscar movies, and I am sure the vast majority of them just kind of floated into oblivion and didn't really leave a mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these first two that we've watched, I had never seen them before. No, I mean, 
Uh, that's not to say that they weren't innovative in their time and they weren't important. But I mean, I think it just drives home the fact that the best picture Oscar is not the end all and be all that that I mean, Citizen Kane did not win best picture. It's uh, it's really just a crapshoot. Do you do you know who who won instead? Uh, was it How Green Was My Valley, which is somewhat well remembered? <clears throat> or was it Mrs. Miniver? It was one of those. Bo- both movies I've never seen or heard no, of. So. I mean, I haven't seen them either, but <laughs> I have heard of them probably when people are talking about how Citizen Kane should have beat them. Yeah. It, it sent, yep. And we've both seen Citizen Kane. So yes. There you go. Per- perhaps more than once. What? Okay. So that's longevity. What might kind of roll into that as well, especially with some of these earlier movies, are the. The ways that these don't hold up because of the very uncomfortable racial attitudes that are expressed. Yeah, the sexual politics of it, too. Lots of just sexism. I have to say, of the movies we watched, there was really only one movie where I feel like, well, no, two movies where I felt like there was a strong female character who seemed contemporary, Mm -hmm. who seemed Mm -hmm. like someone you could have actually met back then. The others kind of came across as archetypes. Right, right. And, and of yeah. course, we're talking about something so early that uh, were they really archetypes back then since it was so early? Or Yeah, I mean, again, it's like looking through our 21st century lens. Yeah, it's like the longevity. How does this hold up? Like mm-hmm. it to us, they seem like archetypes. But back then, maybe they didn't. But I don't know. I feel like the existence, though, of like the characters who did seem contemporary speaks to that lie that, no, this was done and could be done. It's just people decided to take the easy route and just not write fully developed female characters from the beginning. Right. Low, low boldness score. Low boldness score. And yeah, like you said, I mean, was there a single person of color to be seen like in any of these movies? No. And, you know, I hate to say it, I'm almost kind of relieved because in these early years when people of color were on screen, it was usually never no. good. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It, I'm reminded of uh, a movie that I watched for one of, I think, of the two film classes I took called um, Pre-Stonewall Film. And there is a movie called Florida Enchantment interesting gender sexuality ex- topic exploration there but also blackface yeah uh, it was hard why? They, it was yeah they could was, never get it all right back then and they don't get it all right now we like to think of ourselves as you know every generation likes to think of themselves as the most progressive but hmm. it's the arrogance of that attitude that makes these movies look so bad because mm-hmm. like D.W. Griffiths with birth of a nation, he thought <laughs> he was a progressive. He thought he was liberal and speaking for, for good liberal quote unquote causes when it's absolute monstrous racism. Mm-hmm. And it does make you wonder a hundred years from now, what people are going to look back at in like 2019, 2020 and you go, how how could have anybody have thought that was? Good? Oh yeah, like we we didn't get rid of uh, blackface and and white people. Well, we still haven't. I mean, we're still seeing a lot of white actors and actresses portray people of color even now. Yeah, it's in, shameful. Instead of realizing there's, 
hey, guess what, guys? There's a whole bunch of actors that are of whatever ethnicity <laughs> that you're that looking you need, for. Who I'm sure would love the work. I remember in that class, the thing that the professor mentioned about Florida Enchantment was it was a big deal to have a black person in frame for the movie because you did see an actual black actor. You didn't have any speaking lines. Not really on the screen or anything like that, but that was a big deal. Huh. And but also that kind of goes into something that we were talking about earlier. This lie about something being uh it was a different time. Like the 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 mores yeah. of the time. Yeah, I mean that's the fallback. But it is important to resist that and push back on it because the pervasive racism is a flaw that really hindered a lot of works from being really what they could have been. It, exactly. I mean, in every instance, when you come across something that is uncomfortable, prejudiced, bigoted, it is always lazy, bad art. Mm -hmm. On top of it just being morally reprehensible, it's, it's also just artistically bad. Yeah. And I want to, you know, you have to take a look at the mores of the time, but we are going to be looking at these movies through a 21st century lens. And part of that, I think, is that you can't you if you're a person living in the 21st century, you cannot say like, well, people of that era saw things like this and it not be a lie. Yeah, because you aren't from that era. You can't be that person you can see what other people thought and said but you also have to keep in mind that there are a whole lot of people whose opinions weren't recorded and who uh who weren't racist when we look back at these movies and these times and look at people in blackface or some other horrific uh presentation of race and gender or sexuality there were people who were progressive by our current standards oh, alive. I mean, my gosh, people like to forget. Again, D.W. Griffith said Birth of a Nation. He did face a lot of well-earned backlash for that. It's not like this is a recent phenomenon that people think a Birth of a Nation is racist. It was very much uh, called a racist movie back then. And that's why he followed it up with Intolerance to show like, no, 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 no. See, this is, I'm all for people overcoming uh uh, their circumstances, like overcoming slavery. Of course, I don't think that movie actually focused on a single character of color. And when he tried with Broken Blossoms, it was yellow face. So it's one of those uh. things where it's not like this they existed in a vacuum where no one considered it racist. He didn't right. consider it racist. And other wealthy white people like him didn't consider it racist. But there were people who were saying, calling them out as racist. So to try and brush it aside as being of the time, you're forgetting all those people back then who were saying, no, this is this is crap. We can't have this. Right. Same with Gone with the Wind. There were protests about Gone with the Wind. This is not a recent phenomenon of people calling out racism. We can't just hide conveniently behind. Well, that's just how it was back then. Right. Right. And uh, I, I'm just going to borrow a little bit from one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Totalis Rankium, American Presidents. You should go check them out if you can. They're it's fun. 
It's a couple of British guys who are reviewing all of the American presidents. And one of them brought up a really good point. When we talk about the early American presidents, for example, and we say like, oh, well, they had all these racist views, but that was, they're a product of their time. That's Mm -hmm. of the time. He very eloquently pointed out that actually that wasn't just a product of the time. They were racist and they were standing against people who were not racist, who may or may not have had the clout, the wealth, the ability to have themselves published. All of the slaves, for example, probably had issues with slavery. It was not just an opinion of the time that that slavery is just okay. No, otherwise there would not have been a civil war. (laughs) (laughs) So we're getting maybe a uh, a little bit but, distracted, yeah, but, just but the point stands. Emphasize, this is not going to be one of those. And I'm a fan of old movies, but it's not going to be one of those old movie things that just glosses over that. It would be sure fun to pretend that that wasn't a factor, the racism and sexism, but it is. And it's important mm-hmm. to talk about. And it doesn't mean absolutely everything back then is worthless and trash. It just means that there was this element to it we can't ignore. Right. You have you have to acknowledge that sort of thing and and acknowledge that it exists. And hopefully we will. I mean, we do have the ability. We could just never see it again the next year. It's talking about products of the time. We probably will continue to see vestiges and new emergences of crap like this. But. uh. You know, I guess acknowledge and think about what you watch. Yeah. It can even make it a more enriching experience. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So wow, longevity took uh took some time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so bonus rounds. We've got costumes and set, boldness, yeah, longevity. Oh yeah. And last category, legacy. Legacy. So speaking of problematic movies, gone with the wind. Quite a legacy. Quite a legacy, despite it being, well, uncomfortable for me in particular. Yeah, well, you're you're a you're a Texas boy, so you got a lot of it in school, right? Yeah, I had teachers who thought that both the book and the movie were the bee's knees, and I got into many a open debate in the classroom about it. <laughs> was your what was your big problem with it? Was it the mostly the racism or did you just think it was the the racism, the Confederate fetishism? Yeah. Uh, oh god. And I remember like the the biggest fight was with a science teacher of all things, so I don't know how it even came up. My my school had I think it was every year the high school would read three books the entire high school. And then we get a test on him. And for, well, I, I was about to say Lord only knows why, but I know why. It's because a lot of old Southern white ladies were picking the books. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this woman was saying like, oh, isn't it's just a fantastic book. And I remember saying like, it's not a great book. It has a lot of problems. It is more important as a movie than it is a book because the book is trash. It obviously engaged people, but the the book is problematic. At the very least, going back to what we were talking about, the legacy, the legacy of the movie at least has, there's a lot of technical legacies in terms of 
the shots and the mm-hmm. sets and the costuming, the use of their like use of color is pretty amazing. I'm not going to take that away from from that movie. Oh, yeah. And the weird dichotomy of having so much racism that especially by 1939 and 1940 just seemed completely outdated. And then having Hattie McDaniels as the very first African-American Oscar winner. It's that weird kind of line that Hollywood likes to uh, yeah, that, to dance. That's going to be an interesting one to cover. I've, I mean, I've I already got, predicted yeah. that's going to be our longest one. I mean, and I'll, I'll come clean. When I was in middle school, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with Gone with the Wind. My friend and I were obsessed. I mean, we were... We are white girls who, you know, projected onto Scarlet that, yeah, I totally just glossed over the racism back then and went, well, that was a product of its time. And then you actually look into the history of it and go, no, I mean, that was some outdated bullshit even then. And so it's kind of coming to terms like I still love parts of Gone with the Wind because it made such an impact on me as a kid. And it's how, you know, as a person who likes to hold progressive liberal views. How do I reconcile that? Do I? Does it really matter if I ever do? Who knows? But it's probably something we'll talk about. Yeah, so uh, yeah, a lot of these movies are just on the list. In terms of longevity, a lot of them don't hold up well. No, or and just were it, forgettable. And it will be interesting to look at the mores of the time, especially because what I think a lot of us will will discover as we look back at these uh, again, prime example being Gone with the Wind is we kind of think of them as like, oh, that was like first year an African-American woman won the Oscar. Isn't that great? And then you actually look at the mores of the time and you realize the Academy did that when it was safe. Yeah. Yeah. And Broke probably Back as Mountain like, yeah. happened when it was safe. Yeah. I mean, again, it's always the Oscars like to tout themselves as progressive, but they always play it safe. They always wait until that's what the majority wants to see. Thankfully, with the advent of more like indie films and hopefully the industry diversifying slowly, but hopefully just a little bit at a time, please, let's get a move on. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting even right up to to 2019, 2020 Mm -hmm. to see how those best pictures that we are especially celebrating for how progressive they are, how... How much they could pat themselves on their back. That yeah, for, did a good for, job. for embracing something that most people embrace now anyway. A lot of the times the, quote, progressive Oscar winners and nominees are the most progressive movies of 10 years prior. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Or more. Oh, yeah. 10, 10, 10 to 50, maybe. Okay, so those are our bonus rounds. After we get through all of that in one of our episodes, we are going to total up the score. Yeah. So we have some sort of number type thing to measure these things against each other, even <laughs> though even though it's completely subjective. I'm going to deliberately mess with it. I'm going to give a 20 to one film and a negative five to another. You do the math. Oh. You only, you only do positives. Nah, that's or, playing it safe. That is playing it safe. Or sort of, maybe for longevity, we should have it in a range instead of one to five, negative five to five. Yes. Because <laughs> some of those definitely deserve some negatives. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say that's fair. So we're going to total up the scores. And of course, it's not just like a numeric barrier. After a while, we total up the scores. We have a discussion. And we're going to have perhaps a little miniature debate. Yeah. Who wins? Who wins our award? We'll try to keep it for clean the, for the year. Uh, yeah, clean fight, and then yeah, the victor shall be victor. Should we do? Should we do secret ballots first? <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know. <laughs> and the Oscar is. We'll have Odysseus trot out with an envelope in his mouth. Oh, oh, it's torn to shreds. We can't read it. We all win. All right. Here. Here's what I think we should do. We should write down our first impressions. If we if we open them up, if we give the award to the same movie, obviously we won't have to have much of a discussion. Yeah. That'll be hooray, high fives all around. Woo-hoo. If you disagree, we'll have to have a discussion and see if we can convince the other person of uh of our choice. How does that sound? I think it sounds good. I hope you're ready to play. Sounds good. All right. Are you stoked, audience? Are you stoked? I know I am. I think this went really well. I think, yeah. Yeah. This was a perfectly serviceable introduction. It is. And serviceable is as excited as I get about anything that I do. So, (laughs) Oh, depression and anxiety is a wonderful thing. No, yeah. We've done adequate. We've done. We are so overwhelmingly adequate, like the vast majority of best Oscar winners. Yes, they're serviceable. They're serviceable. They function. They functioned. They made it to the screen. They made the Academy feel good. Yeah, yeah. They they made a majority of American people feel good. And white the, American people white feel good. American people feel just peachy keen. Uh, well, I certainly hope that this isn't going to be broadcast over an apocalyptic landscape. Uh, we are recording in the middle of coronavirus uh, uh, quarantine. So, uh, yeah, stay safe out there. Wash your hands and watch a movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Enjoy the movies. Enjoy the movies. Or some other sign off that we come up with. Yeah, like uh, let's take the stairway away from paradise now because now, now we're done. And uh, time to step back down to stupid reality. Leaving youngsters, and we're coming back a start. That 42nd Street will cover it. Don't you worry, boys. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye.